Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel. I can't even say my name. <laughs> hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! Yeah, that's how many teeth kids have. Nice. Okay, go back in there. Remember, 20 minutes, and then we're going to get swimsuits out and play outside. Got it? Uh, right? I have more teeth than her because... Yeah, you're getting more teeth. Uh-huh. So, folks, you just heard what a typical day is like around here. We're just discussing how many teeth my kids have. Um, but, yeah. So, folks, hopefully all of you had a great weekend. Hopefully you guys went out on a boat or enjoying kind of the last days of summer here. You got to be outside because, you know, winter is coming. It's right around the corner. It's going to get cold. I know that's what we're saying around our house. Um, But uh, today's Monday. We're kicking off the week here. Hopefully everybody's going to have a great week. Um, So on today's episode, I've got a conversation with project creator Ryan Stimmel. And his project is Baby Babas. And I hope I said that correct. My Spanish is definitely not as good as Ryan's. But uh, Ryan created a really unique bilingual children's story um, that is uh, obviously for Spanish and for English. And, you know, we got into a great conversation of, of stories for kids and how, you know, um, a lot of the, the American stories that we all grew up are translated into Spanish, and they're just never, never quite right. So he really took on this mission of, of, of making sure the authenticity is great for both languages. The other part of this conversation that I thought was extremely interesting was um, how Ryan is um, going to Cuba at, to get, you know, um, part of his job, he's a travel, um, uh, a travel agent, I guess this might be the right word, but also how he's exploring Cuba and, um, and sort of the, the new blood that's running through that country right now. And I'll tell you what, he has got an artist that he's found out there. I think his nickname is Clarky. And if you go to the Kickstarter page, you'll see this guy's artwork. Unbelievable artwork. Um, very realistic, just, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not elegant enough to describe what this artwork looks like, but it really, really, really great stuff. So check out this. So the campaign, here's the thing I love about this sort of project is, I, you know, this is one of those kind of middle ground projects that I think is amazing for Kickstarter. You know, he, he didn't need a ton of money. He's up over $17,000, which yeah, it's a lot of money, but, um, but he's hit his goal. Um, and he's got, I think, 55, 56 pack or something like that. But he's at that point right now where he's, um, where, and we got, it got into this in our conversation where, you know, he's, he's, um, you know, he's, he's used his family and friends, he's used his networks, and now he's starting to plan, how do I do more? How do I get to that next region? And this is where about 90% of my conversations fall, um, is how to get that to that next level. And that really is breaking through the walls. So that conversation, like I said, is coming up later. So I'm sitting here today. And something very frustrating has happened again. So in my life, I have realized that I am on a path, or I feel like I'm on a path, I should say, to eliminate stupidity around me or to get away from it as much as possible. And I think that that is where my frustration every day lands is I'm always dealing with something stupid. And when we were running Groovebox Studios, stupidity was constantly around us uh, from just, just... I don't even want to get into it. That's a whole other conversation. So 
I bring this up because I'm back in that moment. I, I got my Mark, Michael Corleone moment of, I, I, you know, I'm getting pulled back in. And um, oh, I'm so annoyed right now. So about 10 months ago, I had to sell my, I shouldn't say had, you know, probably a Freudian slip there, but <laughs> I sold my Studer 189 console. Why was that important? It's a board that it spent, I spent almost 15 years curating and finding the parts online, uh, thinking about it all the time, and eventually get the money to, to build this. Commissioned a technician, local technician to build it and, and ended up getting this board and had it for a couple of years installed and, and really was just uh, one of the best mixing boards on the planet. So around January when we were closing up GBS and kind of sitting on this board and I didn't know what I was going to do with it and I did not think of building another recording facility was in my, my DNA, um, I, we decided to sell it. And um, some flat-out yahoos from Cleveland are the ones who bought it. And the guy, as soon as they showed up, I was like, oh, God, it's going to idiots. Um, no, really, no true idea what they bought. Didn't understand how to a patch bay works. Just no understanding. Stupidity beyond stupidity that they bought this board, and they spent a ton of money on it. You know, I, I, you know, I got three quarters of the amount of money back that we put into it. So, so that, like I said, about ten months ago. So, around Friday, I get a call from some Cleveland number, and I don't even think about it. It doesn't leave a message. You know, and I'm like, I don't know. That's like Friday. I'm like, what is this? Uh, I don't know. Some some call. You know, I do what everybody else does on the planet. I didn't know the, the number. Then I get the same number calls me 7:45 Sunday morning, as I'm you know literally walking into the my live sound gig, and I'm like, you know, and then there's a 20 second message. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll listen to that later. So that's Sunday. You know, Sunday I come home and you know, I pass out. We go to IKEA, just doing family stuff. It's Sunday. So haven't really listened to the message yet. So this morning, it's about 7.25-ish or so, maybe a little bit later. I'm literally stepping into the shower, you know, getting out of the house on a Monday, and, and this number calls again. I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, what is this? So I get out of the shower, I listen to the message, and it's this guy. Hey, I uh, just got the, I'm trying to install the board. Can you help me plug it all in? What? What? I don't even know how to comprehend that. It's ten months ago, nine months ago. You know, I don't know what gear you have. It's a and and plugging this board in. It's a process. It's not something that I can just. Bloom. Here you go. It's not something you buy a guitar center. You just plug and play. So I text the guy back. I'm like, listen, I, I thanks for reaching out, but I am not tech support. I. That's not me. I, you know, if you're having issues, I I suggest you uh, call the person that I had build the board and you hire him and he comes out just like I had to do. That's what you have to do. It's vintage gear, right? You know, so the guy calls me back again. I'm like, what is this, dude? I told, you know, I can't help you. I have no idea where the gear has been sitting. So all, you know, so now my day is this moment of like, I, how do I avoid this? Can I avoid this? Is it even possible to avoid this? Oh, man. You know, just trying to have it circulate. You know, I I just, I need my planets to align in a moment where I'm not dealing with this stuff. And it seems like that is what I deal with all the time. And it is incredibly frustrating. Incredibly frustrating. And I try to be so patient. 
But in a scenario like this, I don't really even know, number one, blowing me up before eight in the morning. I don't know who does that in any sort of sense of the, the business world. I don't know if this guy's out on a bender all night and he's, oh, I'm going to call this guy. He, he needs the help. You know, I don't know how you buy something nine, ten months ago and then plug it in. And then call, I mean, if this was a car, what would the solution be? If I was, if I, if this was, I'd be like, get out of here. It's number, you know, uh, so, so I got that going on today, uh, which is nice. Um, so the other, here's something too. Are any of you out there watching the OJ Simpson story? It's on Hulu right now. It's called Made in America. It's a five-part series. Each one's like an hour and a half. I mean, it is so in he's so in depth. Wow, is this good? Uh, the wife and I were we just finished up part four. We got part five tonight, and it has been jaw-dropping to to watch. Um, if if you're at all fascinated with with good documentaries, it's the people from Thirty for Thirty uh, on ESPN did this documentary. And in terms of leaving no stone unturned, these guys, I mean, inside baseball, big time, uh, so rich from the attorney speaking to Mark Farman uh, was just. So you just heard my son chiming in here for a second because apparently there's some bugs on the corn and uh, I got to go deal with that. Addie, I'll get that in a second, please. I told you I needed a minute. Thank you. So as I was saying, uh, Mark Farman getting his uh, Furman, Mark Furman, excuse me, Mark Furman getting his behind, just getting him on camera, and oh my god! So if you got about eight hours to spend, <laughs> you know, on a Sunday, and you want to deep dive into something incredibly rich, I strongly recommend you check out uh, uh, this O.J. Simpson Made in America documentary uh, on Hulu. It's Wow. Yeah, there's, it's, it's jaw-dropping. So, all right, I think that's enough of my rant for the day. So, like I said, go check out, my, uh, go check out this Kickstarter. Uh, it's called Baby Babas, and it is uh, by Ryan Stimmels, the creator. And if, it's a very interesting children's story, and I think it's interesting what he gets into on, on how he's trying to, to bridge the, uh, the, the, the children's stories into um, being told the right way into different languages. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Ryan. It's just another day I'm feeling like I've been here before I keep on watching my life pass me by Like I'm trapped Hello. Hello. How's it going? All right. How you doing? Uh, I can't complain about yourself. So you're doing all right there? Yeah, doing just fine. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to have a conversation about your uh, your Kickstarter. Sure. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, we're, uh, like, I think I just emailed you, but I'm hoping to talk about 30 minutes or so, or and uh, just kind of chat a little bit about how you got to be successfully funded like you are right now, and 
and uh, some backstory in your project, and um, you know, and maybe how you see the future kind of playing out for uh, for the project. Right on. Um, are we? Are you recording this? Do you do you have a podcast that you uh, release it on? We're not live or anything, are we? No, no, no. I have a podcast. It's called Successfully Funded. So I interview uh, project creators while their campaigns are live um, uh, when their projects are successful, like yours. So yeah, okay, I have yeah. a podcast that comes out uh, every Monday and Thursday. So nice. Cool. Well, I will. I will definitely subscribe. I only uh, saw your email. Uh, I guess yesterday, the day yeah, before, no I signed up, and uh, yeah. So awesome. <laughs> Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so let's just we'll just kick it off, and uh, it's kind of informal, and we, we're just have a little conversation. So I guess why don't we just kick off with, tell me a little bit about the project, the name of it, and a little bit of the backstory on it. All right. Well, the project is the uh, the Baby Babas bilingual storybook, and um, it's a book about myself and my therapy dog. And it uh, takes place in present-day Austin and uh, has a flashback to uh, the first day we met, which was in Antigua, Guatemala, I'm sorry, Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. Mm. Um, it's trying to do a couple things. It's trying to um, teach service, model service and companionship, and teach, uh, teach reading for the first uh, three levels of school, so K, one, and two. Interesting. And is it and this book in English or is it in Spanish? It's in both. Oh, okay. And it's uh, it's not just me writing. I, I write the um, the story, got the manuscript, but I have a, a couple of creatives on a team with me, and uh, one of them, uh, two of them are in Cuba actually. Okay. And uh, my my illustrator, my artist, and um, an agent of sorts, and a co-author. So uh, I come from a background in education, and I've noticed that a lot, there's just a, a big void for really good bilingual storybooks. I mean, there's plenty of storybooks that were written in English that were translated into Spanish. Okay. But once you get a pretty good command of, uh, of Spanish, then you realize that it's a translation. It's kind of clunky and awkward. So this one is going to be co-authored instead of just translated so that the Spanish is uh, as high quality and as poetic as the English. Interesting. So let, let's back up one second. So you're working yeah. with some people out of, out of Cuba. You have a team there. How is that process going on for you? That seems like that could be a bit of a challenge to have, uh, to have that distance in this type, of, uh, this type of project. Absolutely. So my other job. Um, I own and operate a, uh, a travel company that's starting up this year. And we do people-to-people -people educational trips to Cuba. And on our, on our first trip, I met, uh, she was actually my guide. And now she's um, introduced me to our artist and is the co-author of the book. Um, <clears throat> it is very challenging. I'm sure, I don't know how much you know about Cuba, but uh, it's very, it's very behind the times as far as information technology goes. Internet, email, telephone calls, even mm -hmm. are are challenging at best. So, I'll give you I'll give you an example. Um, our artist will work and produce a few pieces of concept art mm -hmm. um, in in a week or a month, and I will um, you know I'll be looking for them for publicity or to evolve the manuscript. And uh, Bianca, who is our co-author and my agent, her husband works at 
the single state-run telecommunic telecommunications company in Cuba, has the best internet access of anyone on the island. <clears throat> and if he wants to upload anything bigger than a few hundred kilobytes, it's something he has to take to work. Oh, you, can't just, you can't just do that on the street. Yeah. So that's that's a challenge. That, that sounds like a major challenge uh, in terms yeah. of sending you know good looking photos and you know and working back and forth wow mm. wow wow so so that sounds like that was a pretty important trip then that you made that first one that you kind of built your team it sounds like right out of the gate huh did you have this idea in your head when you went there thinking that you were looking for people or did it just kind of happen naturally well, I was coming from a background in primer education, and I've had this book sort of in the back of my mind for years. Um, and the thing is, I'm not an illustrator. I'm not an artist. Right. And if you don't have brilliant art, then you really don't have a storybook. You can't even really take that to a, to a publisher and be taken too seriously. Mm -hmm. But when I met um, when I met this guy and uh, talked to him a bit, kind of... I've, you know, vetted him a little bit just to see what his personality and values were. And then I pitched him the idea of the book and he was a hundred percent wholeheartedly into it. And even then I was like, tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little advance, just produce a few pieces of concept art and, um, and we'll see where it goes. And he produced, um, he, he could have basically just opened up my head and seen my vision and put it on paper. It was so, it was so perfectly aligned with what I was looking for. Well, that, that's some of his artwork on your Kickstarter page, correct? The, the, the David versus the Goliath one. Uh, yes. Those are unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> you kind of, I, I feel like you found a gem. You're plucking a gem kind of out of Cuba there. It's just, Clarky's his name, right? I mean, it's just some great work that I'm seeing online here. Absolutely. That first image of him in front of the Cuban flag, that's uh, that's Eduardo. His nickname is Clarky. Uh -huh. And those first three images are ones that really lend himself in the style and the color palette to the the work that I'm trying to do. He has a he has three dozen uh, pieces that are just kind of hanging in his uh, open air, unair conditioned home that he uses as a studio. Mm -hmm. And there's probably five or six different styles, but this, these are the ones that I, you know, yeah. that I think lend to this project. They're, they're really great. So let's 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 talk a little <laughs> bit about so this relationship with the the hero of the book here, right? The 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 the, the dog. So where sure. did this where did this all take place? It's yeah, so there's a there's a lot of dots to connect here. <laughs> so I met I met her at the Lake Atitlan in Guatemala in 2006. And uh, I was there, kind of a sojourner. I'd, I'd gone to, to, to learn Spanish and um, witnessed and survived a really horrific natural event. A hurricane mm. produced some landslides near where I was staying that buried 700 people. Wow. And so I, I kind of embedded myself in the community and became part of the response effort and ended up staying for years. But um, maybe a year and a half after that is when I met Babas for the first time. So, so this happened, this event happened in 2005-ish ballpark around there? Yeah, that? so the, the hurricane, it was Hurricane Stan and it was 2000, it was, oh, let me think, early September 2005. Wow. Wow. So you were out there in an education type of air, you know, format, or you were out there just learning the, learning the language and the, and that sort of stuff. And then this, this event happened. Wow. 
Yeah, that's crazy. absolutely. I plan on spending, yeah, like two or three months there to really get, I had some Spanish coming out of school, but I was not fluent by any means. Mm -hmm. So I was going to do the language school thing. Wow. Wow. So, so, you know, <coughs> you're in Austin, Texas, correct? I am, yeah. Okay. So, so where does this kind of inner core drive for, for the, for, for the language, the Spanish language and the culture and all that stuff, where do you think that comes from with you? Is it something that's always been around? Uh, is it your geographical location? Where, what do you think that, what do you think that is? It's a, it's a bit of the geography. That's for sure. Um, I can go back even further. Let's see, coming out of college, I, uh, I was the first in my generation to go through a, a proper four-year school, and that was the goal. I had no goal after college, so I just went and got a degree, and then I didn't know what to do. It was a sociology degree, had no idea where to take it. Um, I took it hiking, basically. I went and hiked the Appalachian Trail to think about it, mm -hmm. figure out what I was going to do. Decided I wanted to come back to Texas and serve uh, the the Spanish-speaking community. Really fast-growing, underserved population here, and the way I wanted to do that was teach primary education to first and second generation uh, Spanish-speaking students. So I took that to Central America to to work up my Spanish so I could do it. Wow, that's cool. That's very cool. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the actual the goal of this campaign. So you have a goal of about 17,000, a little bit above that. So mm -hmm. where did you come up with that goal? And then what does that goal actually produce for you? Because it sounds like with the book being in two different languages, are you really making two products or two, two SKU lines? Or are you making one and the book? Tell me a little bit about this product when it's all said and done. Okay. Well, the product is is going to be one standalone uh, storybook, 32 page, full color, you know, eight by 10, uh, landscape spread. Uh, I'm going to produce it at the highest possible quality, which means either spending a lot of money at a self publisher or what my hope is, is to take it to a publishing company and get, um, get an advantageous contract and have them not only produce it, but continue to build, you know, marketing, production, distribution, sales, all that stuff around it. Uh, <clears throat> the book is going to be written in both languages simultaneously. And then the other uh, person on the creative team is my mother, who is also an educator. And she and I are working to build in a lot of lesson plan, basically a whole curricular piece behind this. It's going to have like 20 mini lessons, mostly in language arts, a couple of social studies ones, because we're going to put maps in the book. And uh, really, we really want it to be a teaching tool instead. I mean, yeah, beautiful story, but something that parents or teachers could use to really uh, to really aid in the education of their students. That's awesome. That's awesome. So then let's let's break down a little bit then how you got your goal amount. Um, what, what what do you? How did you get? How did you come up with that number? Um, outside of I'm sure there's some math involved, but but was there any strategy around that that dollar amount that you needed? Absolutely. Uh, let's see. So. What I'm trying to do is you produce a book, but not just put it out there and deliver it and just leave it, right? Mm -hmm. I want to really, I want to really build, I would love to build a, a franchise around it. I would love to be the, this, the first book in a series, and I would love to reboot a big dog story. You know, I think Clifford, yeah. there, hasn't, there hasn't been one of those in a few generations, and I think it's, uh, I think it's time. 
but uh, so so this this goal amount is not only going to help me produce the the first run of the product at the highest amount. It's going to help me pay my creative team really well. I could end up paying. The, I mean, I could get away with paying these Cubans next to nothing, but I want to pay them really well, and I want to include profit or royalty sharing. Uh, I want to contract with uh, a, a distributor with a really progressive business model here in Austin, Texas, and they have some a la carte services around editing, uh, formatting, cover design, stuff like that. That's included in the price here. And uh, of course, some of this work with my creative team is going to have to be done in Cuba. So there's a little bit of travel mm -hmm. included in that budget. Uh, and then the biggest thing, and this is still a stretch at this point because I haven't had uh, too much luck in, in selling some of these visits, is uh, I would love to build out uh, a book tour for Babas and I where we take it on the road in the beginning of 2017 and hit, you know, 10 major U.S. cities where I have either backers or friends or family and spend a week in each one visiting bookstores and libraries and elementary schools. And that sort of thing is also built into the rewards levels here. So that's kind of where I'm getting the number from. But I also came at it from another direction. I budgeted out pretty much the absolute max I thought I could raise through family and friends in the first few days. Hmm and set my goal, you know, just 10% below that. Gotcha. I was trying to be trying to be strategic about it and tilt it really fast at the beginning. And um, then I could take all my efforts on marketing and uh, and public relations offline and go and get on get on the get on the ground around town me and Babas and pass out business cards and raise awareness that way. Right. So yeah, so I guess that's a good segue into kind of just overall strategy. How long did you plan your Kickstarter, or how, how much effort did you put in prior to launch? Did you have a mailing list going on, or you know, how how much you know kind of bootstrapping did you do prior to launch? I did a fair amount, so I st I spent a lot of time researching. I built out a really complex spreadsheet where I took the the two dozen biggest earning uh, children's publishing projects in the history of Kickstarter and compared them all. I used that to figure out uh, everything from the average length of the video I need to produce. Of course, mine went way longer than it should have. I just couldn't I couldn't cut it down. <laughs> Uh, the pledge amount, the days, uh, even, you know, the, the best pledge levels, everything. Um, then I spent a lot of time building out the actual Kickstarter page. Uh, and then I spent a lot of time on the video. Um, it took, took me a full week of working on it full time to figure out the, you know, to storyboard it, to learn the video editing software, <laughs> to record it, to write it, and to edit it. Right. <clears throat> Right, so you, so you took on this entire project on, on your own when it comes to the Kickstarter campaign. There was no ad agency helping you or marketing firm, it sounds like. Well, you know, I did I did contract with one, but it did not work out. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, that happens. That happens yeah. out there. So, I mean, ultimately, though, it looks like you funded in two days. Is that correct? I thought I saw uh, that. Almost three. Almost so three, okay. About, Still yeah, pretty about good. six hours shy of three days. That, that's awesome. So... So now you're sitting here, and I got to imagine that you're looking at 37 days to go. 
Uh-huh. Now what do you do? What is your plan now? Is there stretch goals or, or, or what, what is Absolutely. your vision now? So yeah, and I'm and I'm due to post an update on this page too. Um, I need uh, I need to post one about stretch goals, and I need to post one about this uh, this quick trip I'm going to make to Cuba at the end of this week. So next stretch goals are going to be a hundred backers and a hundred pre-orders for the book. And so far they've been coming in at about one to one. So that goal should be, you know, should I, I should hit both of those relatively at the same time. Um, I was hoping to use this uh, this crowdfund uh, ad agency and kind of let them continue to build after this initial spurt, after the you know the beginning after it tilted, mm-hmm. but uh, that didn't work out. So I'm gonna have to re- kind of redesign my plans. Hmm. Um, and then I travel on Friday. So as soon as it as soon as it met its goal, I went ahead and got a ticket for Cuba. They're real cheap right now because it's really hot down there. And um, I'm going to go take uh, some more cash advance and the success to my Cuban creative team. And I'm going to bring back some more of the concept art along with a bunch of pictures of us celebrating and creator creation type type stuff for added publicity. Oh, that's awesome. That, that's, that's really great. <laughs> how, about, um, how about in terms of like social media? What was your outreach prior to your campaign launching? Did you have a great Facebook page or have you been doing Facebook ads? Any, anything like that going on? Um, a little bit, right? So I've got a Facebook page, Baba's Bilingual Books, <clears throat> and it's got, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've been, I've been posting, I, I've been posting on that. And then my personal Facebook page, probably 800 friends. <clears throat> and I do a little bit of this for my other business, but, uh, I did, uh, you know, lots of word of mouth, lots of, uh, just kind of getting it out there that I was, that I was tooling up for this. And then about a week before I started putting out, um, posts and then the day of, I put out one paid ad. Uh, I did prepare about 1500 emails, um, basically three separate groups. I, my entire email list, there was a group of people I couldn't even recognize by name and they got a very generic email right a group of people I hadn't seen since high school or college and they got a slightly more tailored email a group of close connections uh, they got a, a more more personal email and then I still have probably two or three dozen people who I'm slowly working through and contacting personally be it email Facebook or phone call was there any sort of tool you used for that or just you know just you know, emailing it out one by one. Well, no, I mean, I use uh, no, I just use Google, Gmail. Yeah, I just use Gmail. Groups. Yeah, the big groups. Yeah, that, yeah that, you can do a lot with Gmail. There are some tools out there that I have, sometimes have to recommend to people. I'm like, you know, if you got to send out ten thousand emails, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the copy and pasting is no fun, you know. But uh, that, that's, oh yeah, no, yeah, that's really great. So so you know, how do you envision? I guess this sort of company growing, you know, with your relationships with Cuba and your team there compared to what you're talking about with kind of touring around the United States, how do you envision you as the kind of the, sounds like this, almost like the CEO of this idea here. How do you envision kind of managing all of that? Well, I want to build it to where it gets a lot more publicity and and recognition first. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Well, you know, managing a huge book franchise is is way down the road, something I don't know how to do yet, but I do know how to take the steps between here and there, right? Right. Um, So the next steps would be to take the publicity offline and do a bunch of public events, use all the imaging, all the image and video collateral, any uh, endorsements, any stuff like that I can get to put into a press kit put that press kit into a bunch of local uh, media agencies, see if I can get picked up a little bit. Um, Try to continue growing the campaign. I would love to hit 20,000. I'd love to hit Mm 30,000. Love to hit more and more pre-orders for the book. Towards the end of it, I want to take all that recognition, all that momentum to my publishing company and kind of hand the business of the first book over to them and then get on with the creative side of it. So right. if I could build something that that gets big enough to snowball, I could let my contract partners in the publishing company take care of the business side, and I could take care of the creative side, which is all I'm really in it for right. in the first place, right? Yeah. So out of your 55 backers, have you noticed, 55 backers that you have right now, have you noticed any sort of trends in the data uh, is there any specific location that they're coming from? I don't know, down south, you know, uh, west coast, east coast. Is there anything kind of, uh, you, know, st- you know, catching your eye at all? Well, so far, this is, I mean, I'd say 90% of these backers are friends and family that I know personally. So the vast majority are here in north and central Texas. Mm. And the ones that are all over the world, because I've had one come in from Thailand, one from Japan. They're friends that, I mean, they're people I've known either in college or, you know, in my travels that I've met. So we're still, we're still at the friends and family stage. And like I said, I've still got a few dozen people I need to, to contact personally. And then I'm going to take some steps to, to spread the publicity out a little further. You know, I'm going to start contacting other successful children's publishing Kickstarter um, creators. I'm going to start looking for blogs. I'm going to start looking for, uh, like I said, once I get more of a press kit together, um, celebrities, for instance, LeVar Burton came and did a reading here at Book People in Austin. And I got him him to sign a book and I can just send him a a quick, you know, outreach, say, hey, your book is beautiful. Mm -hmm. You did nothing else in your career. That's something awesome you've brought into the world. Love for you to take a look at mine, you know. Right. Pretty, Pretty low... Uh, likelihood of a response on those, but you just need one like that, and then you've you've built up another level of of publicity. Sure. So, how how is it working with your mom on this project? Is that something that was uh, that, that's a good experience for you? I mean, are you enjoying it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So coming back from from Guatemala, I I moved back and and kind of tuned back in in uh, when I was twenty nine. And um, it, was, it was 2009, and uh, the economy was in a terrible trough, right? Mm-hmm. It was kind of, you know, still still headed down a little bit from the 08, um, whatever, the, the latest recession. And uh, all my friends told me I was an idiot for going home and trying to get a job in that economy. So moved home, stayed with mother, had nothing. And uh, within a couple weeks, I had a job offer at an elementary school. Within a couple months, I had um, I'd started work there. A few months after that, I bought a house. Uh, but uh, it was those first six months basically living with my mother again at 29 and working with her, 
you know, an hour, hour and a half every day after school as I was a beginning teacher mm -hmm. that really gave me an appreciation for how much of a master teacher she is. Um, six years later, leaving education again to try to launch these side projects. And it was kind of like coming home that first time when I was 29, except way less stressful and way more of a, a labor of love instead of, uh, you know, like, holy crap, I got to go back to work in the morning. I have no idea what I'm going to teach all day tomorrow type thing. Right, right. That's but great. She's, she's, she has a collection of thousands of children's books. She's read hundreds of them. She and I share books all the time. So I can't imagine um, anyone with, with more expertise and, and more like love for, for primary education and for the storybook than my mother. That's awesome. Yeah, I, 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 I always hear stories about some, some people love working with the family. Some just can't take it. I've had a couple yeah. calls where it was like, yeah, we, you know, we were brothers. We tried it first, but yeah, we had to pivot, you know. Yeah. So it's always it's always great. It is something that I've always kind of thought about too. Of, of I would I've always had ideas of having projects with my dad or something like that, and it's just uh -huh. just probably will never happen in life. It's just what it is. But <laughs> you know, you just got to go with it. So is there a specialized um, area that that your dog uh, specializes in when it comes to uh, help? Is there anything you know particular that that, that that the dog's best with? Is it yeah. kids, I'm assuming? I'm, sure, I'm assuming kids is a part of that, but... Um. Yeah, she loves kids, and she's really, really tolerant of them. Um, so beyond just being a good therapy dog, she's good for kids, because some are better at different things. Yeah. So we're certified through Austin Dog Alliance, and uh, I got a shout out to them, because they're a nonprofit, and they've been really supportive throughout this project. And uh, they do therapy visits, um, mostly to uh, schools, libraries, and assisted living facilities, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, a few other, um, you know, they'll do hospitals and uh, also uh, educational, like, like schools for kids with uh, severe challenges or um, disabilities. We specialize, and they have a subcategory of programming called Bow Wow Reading Dogs. Hmm. And this is what we specialize in because of my, um, my, my experience as a teacher and a, su a support specialist. And we take books or kids will bring us books on uh, library visits or school visits and we read with them. And I sort of read through my dog, you know, mm -hmm. I, I say things like, okay, hey, this is Baba. She's a dog. So she doesn't talk to you, but she's, she's smart and she's a thinker. And uh, we've been together so long. I can understand what she's saying. And uh, she's going to have questions throughout the book. And I will ask her questions to you for her. And in that way, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids are fine. They don't need it. Um, but some kids are really anxious and really struggle to read. And there's a lot of psychology behind it. And if they have to read to a stranger or even a parent, they're going to get nervous and anxious and struggle. Hmm. But if they read to a dog who's super forgiving, then, then you can get past that anxiety and get at the actual you know, mechanics of reading. Um, That's fascinating I, to me right now because I, I have a five-year-old who's starting kindergarten and he like knows the words, but, but the, you, I can, I'm, I'm getting this sense of pressure when I'm like, come on, I know you know this word. You, you read this, you've read this word. You're just not putting it together for some reason. And I'm wondering yeah. if that's like, you know, 
I mean, he starts kindergarten in like two weeks, right? So, yeah. you know, that's the whole big thing is learning to read this year. And I'm just seeing that same sort of, you know, in my head, I've been talking about pressure and you, you're, you're articulating what I've been going through here. I'm like, ah, I wonder if that what, is what's <laughs> going on for him right now, you know? It's possible. Yeah, it's, it's intriguing. That's it's fascinating. I never really thought about how a dog could be pulled into a situation where, yeah, dog's not going to judge, <laughs> you know? No, not right? at all. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And here's and here's an animal that can't read, you know, yeah. who, who's on a lower level. So even a kid that that struggles to read is going to be able to play the teacher for a dog who you know can't read and can't speak. Right. Um, you could you could totally do the same thing with a stuffed animal, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, and I would I would be glad to to do this as part of my service. We're we've got here um, virtual visits. If you're interested, I would love to log on to Skype video or something. And you and your kid, I'd set up me and my dog in front of the camera and we'd go through my book if it was ready or, or some yeah. other book of choice. Well, that'd be great. I, I'll, uh, I definitely will probably have to take you up on that one because that's it's coming. Awesome. That's, that's what I'm working on right now. So, uh, but if, you're, if, you're, if your child, you said is your son? Yeah, my son. Yeah, he's five. Yeah, if he's if he's got his alphabet, sounds like he knows his letters. Oh, yeah. Sounds like he knows words and and letter sounds. He's way ahead of the game. You're yeah. doing fine. Yeah, yeah. He it's it's like it's like he'll sneak a read in once in a while where you're like, you read that. Why aren't you doing it? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's almost like ah, eh, I only do it once in a great while. It's like what's going on yeah, here? Right it's so funny. But uh, yeah, yeah that's sounds like, that's sounds like he's bad. doing just fine. Yeah, yeah. He's okay. It's it it is just that. Um, you know, my wife, I mean, my wife has a little bit of anxiety about a lot of stuff. And I, I just, I wonder if that's going to creep in. And, and it's just when you were mentioning that, I was like, man, I do feel that like, the, it's the pressure. It's just the pressure of me going, you know, come is, on, yeah. you don't can yeah, read I mean, that, all... you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's it's great. A, it's a lot of pressure, man. Even, even at the beginning, even at kindergarten, I there's know. a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pressure in your academic career. Yeah. Why does, what, where does that come from? I don't know. It's just, it just seeps up. It's, I don't. I don't think about it all the time, but it, it just seeps in. You know, it's just our culture, I guess. So. Yeah, it is. It's a cultural <laughs> thing, and I and I saw it a lot. You know, I was at a at a fairly affluent school, uh, well, mixed really. You know, there was a there was a huge housing authority complex in our neighborhood, but mm-hmm. then there was probably two thirds of the population was really affluent South Austin um, parents. And there was so much pressure, even before school, mm. competitive preschool programs, competitive piano and dance. And it's just, uh, it, they're Ugh. just looking for that compar- competitive advantage starting at like three and a half years old. Yeah, that's, that's nuts. I have to tiptoe around that stuff because it's in me. I can feel it, but I'm always like, ah, you know, let's just ease up a little bit. You know, let's, yeah. <laughs> he's five, you know. Yeah, right on. <laughs> you know. Let's let let's let him uh, chill out a little bit on this stuff. So that's you know as a, as an educator, and I get the, I got some really great advice from a college professor of mine um, who wasn't you know he, he was he was in philosophy. He wasn't in education or anything. He said, if I can teach you kids uh, one lesson, then I'll have done the job of every teacher you'll ever have in your entire life. And if I can implant within you the ecstasy of discovery is what he called it. If I can get you to love learning for learning's sake, then I'll have done my job and I'll have done the job of every other teacher you're going to have throughout your academic career. Yeah. So that's what I always tried to do. I always tried to, to, to give kids like a love of learning. I, yeah, that's, 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 that's a great, well, I don't know if a quote or whatever you want to call it, but a great saying, cause 
you know, it's something that I actually have. I, like, I personally have that, and I hope my, my kids get it. Where, dude, it, whatever, you know, like, I love these conversations because I'm learning about stuff I've never heard about, right? And tonight I'll be like, yeah, I learned, uh -huh. about, I learned about therapy dogs, uh, <laughs> you know, in Cuba. And there's this, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, it, it just, it, I love that sort of adventure or whatever you want to call it. Or just, you know, just taking everything that you possibly can in and, and listening to people, you know? Like, you know, so I, I do hope that that gets passed on to the kids, which hopefully, hopefully they get that vibe, you know, instead of some of the bad stuff that I might have. Yeah, no, I think uh, kids get it all, right? Yeah, yeah they do. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, you can do a lot as a parent, but uh, at some point you just got to understand that you've done your job and uh, that that uh, as long as you don't do too much damage, then your kid's probably going to turn out yeah. all right. Yeah, they'll be all right. Uh, yeah. So totally. are there like... Um, you know, considering like this, like therapy dog, are there like associations that you might be able to work with or reach out to, um, to help with your campaign? Is that something you might be thinking about doing or it, does that even exist? I guess. Um, an association of therapy dogs. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like, you know, um, I reached out to like an association for construction workers not too long ago mm -hmm. or health and fitness, but is that, is that sort of ecosystem also there like, like around for therapy dogs? Is there, I don't know. I'm just trying to think if there's like a community for therapy yeah. dogs, you know? Well, I've been, um, so, you know, this is, uh, the first couple of weeks of this is the, the friends and family type stuff. And then I'm going to start reaching out to a wider community and I definitely could have done more research, but uh, yeah, that's the sort of thing I'm going to look for. Um, I mean, I've got an Instagram account and I'm hashtagging things like therapy dog, German shepherd, reading dog, service animal, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to get interest and I'm starting to see what kind of organizations and institutions are on that landscape. Yeah. And I, and I plan to reach out to those. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a week or two away. Yeah, it seems like these would be those would be types of people that in my mind would be really, really into this sort of you know, this cause basically that you're on because it, it really is great. It's awesome. Well, there's a, there's a few, you know, there's a few stories I'm trying, I really struggled with which story to tell the loudest, right? Mm -hmm. Through the video and through the, through the page and through my media efforts. There's the therapy dog story, which is, you know, yep. me and me and my dog, she's, she's an old lady now and she used to be an adventure dog and I got to keep her active and engaged and uh, she's such a good, sweet animal. I want to give her a good rest of her life. That's, that's the story of me and her, um, the story of the creative team uh, and then the story of the, the book itself. And yeah. those are three different audiences. Um, I got some good advice from this marketing agency before they um, before they let me go, and it was to tell the story, especially to the Kickstarter and the crowdfunding audience, tell the story of the Cuban artist. Um, so I'm gonna kind of retool after I finish all the the friends and family stuff and um, kind of rewrite the website. And I've already done a little of this, and it's why his, his portrait is you know the first thing you see after the video and right. some of his art. I want to tell the story of, of, of that side because Clarky, uh, he really, he really struggles, you know, mm -hmm. um, he's a starving artist. He has a bit of an affect. He's a super nice guy. Um, but he's got a bit of an affect and when he's in a creative mode, he just, he just works and he mm -hmm. doesn't even, he doesn't even eat or sleep. And if you're, he doesn't work for the guy, he doesn't work for the government. He has no access to any market for his, for his art. 
And so he struggles, he struggles to get by to the point where if he doesn't pay enough attention to, you know, scrounging up enough cash for food and water and, and spends too much time on his work, I, I've, I've visited him and he's, um, he's there with no food and nothing to drink, bent over the table and he looks, you know, half dead. Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So I want to tell, I want to tell his story and I would also love for people who like his art and I, and I need to figure out a way to get some of the different styles of his up there to be able to connect to him some other way. I would love to launch his career as an artist independent of my project. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like that could be a natural trajectory. you know, just, you know, that, that that's a natural spinoff for, uh, for this project is the artwork itself. Cause it is, it, I mean, everything on your page, it, it, it just pops, you know, yeah. your eyes are drawn to it instantly. So, yeah, I definitely think there's going to be something there. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass the compliment along. He's he's going to love that too. When I when I tell him that, hey, I was uh, I was encouraged to make this more about you. He's going to love that part. <laughs> yeah, artists love that stuff. So yeah, but he's uh, he's got you know I've got a few dozen more thumbnails of the work he's done, and we're gonna this weekend when I go back there, we're gonna work to catalog it and kind of get an idea of um of the value he has for it that's and awesome. then i'm you know that'll be the first step in connecting him to a wider market or any market honestly yeah, right this is great I, you know it, it's it it is intriguing i guess you're kind of at this forefront of this what do you see happening in in cuba uh because of the the i don't know the new world basically that's starting to exist down there are you seeing a lot of businesses oh. going on there i mean what what is what? Give me your uh, future. Tell the future of, of Cuba a year from now, since you're on the front lines of it. You know, two no, years man. from now. That's a whole nother. Yeah, I'm sure it's a whole nother. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of. But you know, what, yeah, what's the nutshell that's for you? Much. Oh man, a year from now. So late 2017. Well, you know that the revolutionary government is still is still in power under Raúl Castro, right? Mm-hmm. He is very progressive for a Cuban revolutionary, but very, very conservative on a, on a wider scale. He's made a bunch of changes that have allowed a lot of change in Cuba, but there's a lot more still to go. Yeah. This time next year, he has said he will be stepping out of uh, power. And there's a big question as to what sort of government is going to come in and uh, take his place. Um, the, the change in Cuba has already brought tons and tons more um, business and tourism, especially. Havana looks like a like uh, old Havana looks like a different place than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all of that is a lot of it is positive. Some of it is not. So I'm working in my in my company, in my other job. To, to bring tourism uh, to Cuba from Americans in a big way, but also to set a model of social responsibility and environmental conscientiousness um, so that so that Cuba doesn't become a Bahamas or a Cancun type destination. Mm, right, right. Wow. Fascinating stuff, man. But this is this is this is fifty or sixty years of uh, human enterprise and 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 relationships that have just been bottled up in Cuba. Um, brilliant population, highly educated, super entrepreneurial without knowing it. 
um, and really uh, ingenious ways of, of getting by and surviving and even and even thriving in, a, in an environment where there's been a lot of need. And just having operated there for, for six months now, the, the quality and the depth of connection you make is just, I can't even explain it. Wow. That's all going to get released here in the next few years. And it's pretty much our responsibility, you know, as, as Americans and as Cubans to shape the, the future relationship we want and, and how that island is going to develop because it's going to change. Yeah. It's already been changing. But um, we could be part of a, of a beautiful change instead of, you know, instead of it mirroring some of the changes that have been brought to other uh, underdeveloped countries by by a lot of tourism without any other motive than, than just profit right wow yeah that that sounds like uh, it, I mean it, it should be a fairly exciting time you know when it's all set, when, when you when you stand back on it because you know a lot of opportunity it sounds like for a lot of people for Cuba and the United States to actually you know create a better you know better relationships more people like you being able to go down there and 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 create products you know or a book or a story that helps both people it just seems like mm-hmm. there could be a lot of good stuff that comes from this i hope so yeah i'm uh, i'm working all all the time every day to to try to shape it in the right direction cool well right right i i again i can't tell you enough how much i appreciate you taking some time out to have a conversation i'm going to be sharing this uh to my network uh your campaign uh probably next uh what is today tuesday probably next monday uh, I'll send this out and I'll send you a link to uh, I'll build a page on my site and um, share everything with you so you can uh, send it out and um, try to put my some more eyeballs to your campaign alright well awesome. I hope you and, uh, you and the family have a good start of the new school year and uh, thanks for your time and uh, do you have any do you have any advice for me here at the very end no I mean you're on I mean yeah you're right at that stage of, of you know you got your friends and family who have contributed it, it is really getting to that next stage I would really look at a tool like BuzzSumo um, B-U-Z-Z-S-U-M-O and you, from that you can go in and search for influencers um, it's something I recommend to a lot of my you know my clients that I uh, consult with um, you're able to go in and search for influencers in your demographic so children's books uh, and then reach out. Cuba and, and, and basically you can reach out to them um you can make lists and you can tweet at them. Um, there's a couple tools where you can uh, maybe find some of their email addresses. So you know, I you know be able to reach out to 50 to six, 50 to 100 people in that ballpark of people that you've kind of you know filtered through and said I think these people would would really dig this campaign. Um, and then I guess I don't have you used ever heard of a tool called Green Inbox? Uh, no. What okay. does it do? So Green Inbox has a couple different features. One, they have a feature where you can. Um, personally email your Facebook friends and make it look like, like you can reach out to them through an email um, oh. and, and do it all in one shot. You have to pay a little bit, but it's not that expensive. And I get really good conversion rates on that. So that's mm-hmm. the first one. So you, I think you said something like 800 Facebook friends or something like that. Just, you can mm-hmm. send a really nice personal message to them of, I haven't seen you since high school, blah, 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 you know, or whatever. You know, I think you'd really dig this campaign and help me out. The other part of their tool they have is they have a press outreach one, which you would be, I think you got, you would be perfect for. And what they do is that you basically it'll populate um, journalists who have wrote about Kickstarter Kickstarter projects, which is yeah. the white that's the right reporter you want to go after, right? So yeah. I would I would um, 
check them, you know, go through there and then look through, you know, you don't, you probably won't be on a Mashable or a TechCrunch, you know, you're not that, but there's definitely going to be something for like USA Today or Slate Digital might be one or Vice, something like that, where you'll, it'll pop and, you know, it'll show you, hey, this journalist wrote about a Kickstarter three weeks ago, two weeks ago, whatever. Um, so my strategy usually is to, number one, send them a press release, but also find that article on Twitter, Facebook, wherever it was shared. And reference it. Reference okay. it, follow it, like it, retweet it, you know, be social. Um, you know, and I'll tell you, I, I get really, really, really good um, traction from those. And those two tools, cost-wise, you might spend a couple hundred bucks. BuzzSumo, it'll be for free for the first month, so you don't have, you know, you have to worry about that one. But, but Green Inbox, I think I sent out... Oh, what did I send out the other day? Like fifteen hundred Facebook to my Facebook friends, and it cost me seventy bucks. You know, and I had like a sixty percent conversion rate. It was great. You know, it's and you know, it's, it's a good product. So, um, do you have a uh, do you have a convert uh, an affiliate link you want me to go through? No, I don't. Nope, I don't. I don't really work from anything. I, it's just these are just tools I like. Um, okay. So I, I try not to. You know, I don't want to get into that game because I don't want somebody. I don't want to reference stuff something that's. I'm making money off of just to reference it. These are, like, like this is how I've formed my agency, and I've been doing this now since 2010, is, is really working on reality. So many emails go out that are just like, hey, I'll, you know, I have a magic bullet, and I'll get your crowdfunding campaign. Uh-huh. It's like, it's not real. It's hard work, you know? It's just like, you know, uh, I'll work on a project for eight months to fund, you know? Uh, it's just what it is. You got to get the... You got to get social conversations going on online. So, so that's why I try to stay away from the affiliate links. Like, Green Inbox, the tool works for me. And at some point, that tool might change because of Facebook algorithms, Instagram algorithms. You know, everything's changing 24-7. So, you know, I'm always like, this tool is working right now. I literally tried it three weeks ago, and I had success, you know. Um, BuzzSumo I've been using for a year. It works really well. Um, You know, uh, and then, but who knows? Those could change next week for all I know. So, um, but yeah, those, those are the two that I think you're probably in the best position in terms of where you are right now, the fact that you've already funded your projects going upwards, not downwards, you know, um, um, and you're probably at that point now where I would imagine press would start reaching out, or you should be reaching out to press, I should say, because you're a good story well, now. You, you, know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you're not at that. You're not the campaign with a thousand dollars going save me, save me. You know, you're you're right. not you're now the story of like you've already funded. This book is going to happen. You're flying to Cuba next week. You know, you're doing this these these really cool things. So I think I think if you send out a really well wrote press release, you should should start to get press, which helps on on sort of these next twenty days or so for you, you know, where it's awesome. going to probably be a little slower than the first two days, three days, you know, where all the all the action oh, yeah. was was pop, you know, was happening. So, um, and then once you get that press stuff, that's where you start, you know, you're re, uh, getting that sort of next network outside of family and friends. So. Well, great. Thanks so much. Yeah, no Jeff. problem, man. really appreciate all the time and, uh, and the good advice. I'll check cool. out those two, those two software solutions. Yeah. And, yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, we'll be in touch. And like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll post this on Monday. And, uh, and uh, I'll probably actually send you – you'll probably go out uh, – not probably. You will go out of my email. I do an email blast on Tuesdays. So okay. I'll post this Monday, and you'll go out Tuesday to my network. So cool. Awesome. All right, man. It's good talking to you. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. It's just another day I'm feeling like I've been here before I keep on watching my life
So blind, I climbed inside and couldn't break a 